Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today on the show, we're speaking to Anthony LePay, executive producer and showrunner for Season 2 of the History Channel series, Unidentified, Inside America's UFO Investigation. It's a completely valid question for anyone to ask whether these guys are still working for the government and are involved in some sort of disinformation campaign. Because if you know anything about the intelligence world, that would be a pretty banana story, in my opinion. But you can never rule that out in the world of intelligence. Deception is at its heart. And, and what that disinformation is could be many different things. Are they covering up the reality of UFOs? Mm-hmm. Are they, or is it some sort of limited hangout where it's like, a, are they part of the slow disclosure? Or are they, you know, some people say just merely running interference on advanced uh, weapons programs. And uh, that's, that's their true mission, which, which again, going back to the Navy's statement that these are not ours, raises the stakes of that claim really high. And you'll see in this season, we we broach it uh, head on as well. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Anthony, welcome to Somewhere in the Skies. Thanks. I love the name of your podcast, by the way. It's cool. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we all we all dream of having UFO in our podcast name, but I wanted to open it up, keep it a little broad, and um, yeah, we're still looking for those answers somewhere in the skies as, as you guys are over on Unidentified. So we're definitely going to talk about season two of your show, Unidentified, but before we do that, man, I got to get the origin story. How... How did you get connected to this particular project? Did you have any interest in UFOs prior to this? Yeah, what what is uh what's the origin story of your your work yeah. on unidentified? Good question. I I for years ran a uh, website called the Gorilla News Network, uh, which you may be a little too too young, you might not remember it, but it was a uh, <laughs> uh, kind of groundbreaking if I may say so, uh, kind of citizen journalism platform that also allowed people to create their own profiles um, and kind of run their kind of a, it was like a blogging platform. It also had uh, an interactive editing function where people could collaborate and write articles together. So and, and then it had a huge, very robust chat platform, very, you know, kind of in the vein of Reddit. Um, but uh, but uh, so but when we were always looking at we looked at a lot of intelligence related stuff. And what, you know, government secrets. And, and I remember when the first disclosure project uh, press conference happened back in the, you know, the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, Stephen Greer had brought these 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 government people out. And that always stuck. You know, I'd never really been interested in UFOs, but that event and the fact that there were so many government officials um, that for, or former government officials coming forward always kind of stuck in my mind. Like, that's really interesting. And then one day, literally it went down like this. I'm at the History Channel. I, I work for a division inside um, A&E Network's uh, – it's now called Six West Media. It's basically an internal production company there. And I was – I'm just a freelance showrunner and director. And, and I was doing a, a film about Bobby Kennedy. And I was wrapping it up. And they said, hey, you know, we had these two guys that we want you to meet. So we went into a conference room and, and there was uh, Lou and Chris – and they, you know, start talking about this program that Lou was part of and uh, and sort of, you know, what they believe, which is that there are things engaging with our military uh, pilots in particular that they don't believe either belong to the U.S. military or our adversaries. And I kind of was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, and I and I and I looked up who these guys were and. And uh, I sort of had nightmares for a couple weeks about that. And uh, I uh, – especially the Mellon's bearing and the way he spoke was was particularly chilling. And that was the beginning. And then they asked me to do the show and I was like – to go follow these guys and find out like hopefully you know, the truth behind what – whether they're either totally crazy or there's something real there. Either way, it was like going to be a good show you know, because they're such fascinating people. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm – I'm down for the ride. Yeah, yeah. I'm so happy you did, man, because, I mean, a lot of people have commented on all of season one and what we've seen so far of season two, just how how different it is from most of these UFO shows out there. I mean, some of them are just god-awful embarrassing. And then, you know, you have the the ones that strive to bring legitimacy, but there's only so much you can do with civilian witnesses, you know, and, and, and claims and testimony. But when you guys attacked this from every angle and having the people you had involved, it did. It just upped, you know, the, the credibility of not only, I guess, infotainment, as we could call it, you know, UFOs on television, but also just the topic in general. Yeah, thanks. You know, we tried to do something that, uh, you know, was journalistically sound that was really and I think even in this season, we kind of up the ante on that regard. Whereas in the first season, it was a little more self-enclosed. It was, you know, in the sense that when we were looking at alternative explanations, you know, terrestrial explanations, if you will, of these craft, you know, it was mostly kind of Steve and, and Chris and Lou kind of spitballing it amongst themselves. Whereas this season, you know, we're looking at, we, we, we interviewed other, um, you know, experts, people who've spent a lot of time, like Bill Scott, who was a Air Force flight test engineer and, you know, was editor at Aviation Week, who really became fascinated by the topic and had a lot of inside sources at places like Nellis and Area 51 and others. Um, so, you know, we really, you know, we really strive to, to provide all possible explanations. Um, and we continue to do that, uh, through this season. Um, because I think you, you need, you, and I think I, I do agree a lot of other UFO shows, you know, spend a lot of time leaving that or don't spend the time. They leave all that information on the cutting room floor and, and really are kind of pushing a particular agenda. And we're tried to, you know, even though this show is definitely told from the point of view of Elizondo and Mellon and company, 
there is uh, our own editorial balance that's mm-hmm. going on. Right. Well, I'd love to to touch on what you said there that in terms of between season one and season two. You know, season one, you introduced us to the Navy UFO videos and to the Stars Academy, catch us up to speed with everything that's going on. But season two, it sort of, it took a different format or template, I guess. So yeah, would you mind maybe touching a little on what the major differences are between these? Yeah, I mean, the format kind of organically came out of the stories that we got. Because we, at the end of, if people remember, at the end of season one, we put out a call to action, you know, email for people to send in their stories. And, you know, somewhat as a shot in the dark, like, hey, you know, might as well just see what we could get. And we ended up, it, 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 it you know, worked spectacularly. Almost, there was almost too much. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many emails. I spent a good part of last summer, right around the same time last summer, sifting through these emails, reading them, uh, reaching out to people. And trying to, you know, figure out who was, you know, crazy, who was legit, who was somewhere in between, you know, what. And, and you know, we ended up just, you know, hundreds and hundreds of emails. Um, and and uh, so we so, so I quickly realized I kind of came up with this concept, which the underlying theme, if there was like a subtitle for this season, we kind of I, I called it out of the shadows. And because what I realized is, you know, there's. So many of these stories that go back years that, you know, we could really create an incredible mosaic of hearing as many of the stories as possible. That So so my goal was to find is to, to really narrow in as many as we could um, and, and, and the ones that were, you know, and, and really talk to those people and, and almost you know, I wouldn't say cast them, but really figure out who was going to be. You know, as you can tell from the, even the guys that you've seen so far, these are like really serious people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's winner of the Navy, uh, Navy Cross. Um, there's there's people who are working in, in intelligence positions. There's very serious people who de- devoted their career to the, the service of the United States. So. You know, we really decided that, but this that this season would be different, and there would be a lot more stories because we had, you know, I th- I, I I keep forgetting to actually count them up, but it's something like twenty five never before heard stories you're going to see in this season. People who are coming forward, and pretty much all of them from a military background, um, and most of the stories happening when they were in the military um, serving. So. There's just, so so then so the, or sort of organically that that became okay the, so let's try to look at the patterns right around what they're talking about can we relate them to what the pilots are seeing today can we look, relate them to other patterns uh, like nukes that's you know a, an ongoing theme that Chris Mellon in particular believes is really important that why are these things being seen around nuclear assets mm-hmm. so that's that's what this uh, Saturday night is looking at kind of some new stories that haven't been told um, that are fascinating. And again, just super legit people uh, speaking the, that the format of this kind of testimonial uh, multiple story uh, episode uh, built just sort of organically about how we found our stories. And then other stories started to come in, you know, people are constantly uh, emailing Lou with stories. Um, there's, there's so many more that we, you know, we, we, 
just couldn't have time for, or we couldn't track, you know, couldn't track down or, or people didn't, sometimes people contact him and, but they don't want to go on the, you know, on TV, right? There's a difference between saying, Hey Lou, I have the story I need you to know about. Right. And then agreeing to have their face on TV is those are big, you know, there's a little big difference between those two things, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, well, that's that brings up another good point. How is it as, you know, the the producer, executive producer and showrunner, um, how challenging is it to work in this uh, you know, with these people that I'm sure some of them, if we're talking all military, uh, that might have security oaths or, um, like you said, remain anonymous, things like that. How, how is it for you dealing with all this, I would assume red tape at times and, uh, bureaucracy and, and all of that. To be honest, we don't deal, we're, we're dealing directly with these guys mm-hmm. as private individuals. We're not, um, we're not, we didn't go through, the public affairs and even even really in the first season we got these guys to talk um on their own because they felt it was so important um to speak out so yeah we kind of avoid i mean really being a journalist if you can avoid you know uh the red tape you do so that's (laughs) that's what we do we don't really uh you know uh try to we're just trying to get the information out there obviously you know we're we're super cognizant of, of not sharing anything that would uh, divulge any secrets. As we've seen in this new news that has come out recently, they really have one step, you know, foot in the door with the government. They're, they're constantly, we saw this. I remind people that the, the recent news about this uh, call for uh, a multi-agency task force that the Senate intelligence committee is asking for, in the new appropriations bill and the revelation that there's an ongoing program inside the Navy, you know, we, we disclosed that we didn't t- say it was in the Navy, but in season one, in the last episode, you see Lou going and meeting with guys who are still involved in the program. Right, right. And those, those guys, and you see, you know, Lieutenant Graves, you're there right before he goes to testify, uh, in front of, um, members of that committee and others. Um, and then he comes back and tells Lou how it goes, if you remember all that. So the, and that was all being coordinated through these same people that are now being, you know, they're, well, their names haven't been released, but the, the, that new op, that new program, if you will, um, that, that's been, there wasn't, you know, that's ongoing. That's been an ongoing thing that, that Lou has been open to say. You know, it's interesting now that the, now people are realizing, oh, wait, actually it is going on. And also, you know, and then there was just the whole crazy part about, you know, the Pentagon even denying that Lou had any part in any UFO program. Really interesting twist. You know, while we're working with him and, you know, we can see obviously that he's going to, you you know, we're following, we're, our cameras are there while he's in D.C. meeting with congressmen and others. So that was interesting to say the least. Um, I, I still can't tell you what is going on in the you know, Byzantine halls of power that, you know, behind that series of events. Yeah, that's, that, I'm, I'm sure it is. And, you know, I'm sh- with time, I'm sure we'll, we'll. Exactly. I feel like in 10 or 20 years, yeah. gonna, there's, it'll all come out, you know. 
Well, hey, I mean, you know, this is a clear indication that these things take time. And I think a lot of people have to keep in mind, too. Like, it's not like the DOD or the Navy is just dropping this stuff because they want to. I mean, people like Lou and to the stars and the uh, the exposure that you guys have given to the work they're doing, they worked their asses off to get these things going and get these things in motion. So I think, like you said, these things were in motion in season one and probably even before you guys even begin filming um we're just seeing the end result of them and i i I try to tell people too like just be patient like these things take time so yeah yeah and i think one of the fascinating i mean things that if you're you know people what's really interesting now is chris is on twitter right yep and i just was seeing some of the stuff he's been tweeting about you know some of this you know he he we get into this in later episodes we actually look back you know we actually have a whole episode later on that's that's really asking the question, kind of a Nimitz redux, uh, looking back at the, at, and you know, the Nimitz and the Roosevelt cases. And it's pretty interesting. I mean, he says all this as part of the show as well, but it's like, if you read his Twitter, the extent at which he is completely confident that what both of these groups of pilots are seeing is not some special access program and that he's and he's run it up the ladder and that when the Navy says it's not ours, they're not lying. Right. That's uh, at the end of the day, that that that's what it really comes down to. Right. Yeah. Like if the Navy is saying it's not ours and it you know, you're you're left with the two the two other possibilities. And and that's kind of like what Marco Rubio just said the other day. He's actually if uh, on the balance of things, he he'd be happier if it turned out it wasn't the Russians or the Chinese, because that's what would really keep him up at night is, is the Tic Tac or some of these other things, you know, is a Chinese object zipping around our restricted training areas. Absolutely. That would be so that's where that's where you just, you know, I, I always come back to that logic. Once you start playing out the the logic of that, it, you end up in a weird place. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, the fact that we we can only hope it's aliens is uh, <laughs> that is just a weird it's a pretty weird thing. It I, is. I think that's a I think people I, I'm surprised that more people have not picked up on what an interesting statement that was right by a, a senator. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's pretty crazy. But hey, it's 2020, Anthony. Anything clearly can happen. Yeah, <laughs> Nothing would surprise me. Nope, nope. Well, let's talk, um, if you don't mind, maybe a little episode specific. Um, two episodes have aired so far of the show, the first being UFOs in combat, like you mentioned. And uh, like you said, we got all new military cases, which is just amazing. That this many military personnel throughout history are willing to come forward and talk about this is awesome and something we haven't had before so what do you find what did you find most interesting about this first one you know each one of those cases was equally interesting mm-hmm. the the b-52 story i thought was really really interesting in the sense that this thing was it, just flying at the speeds that they they saw it flying and and you know that they were actually taking pictures of the radar screen and you know so frustrating obviously we couldn't get the get those pictures. But that case I thought was just absolutely fascinating. You know, they're in the middle of the Pacific, you know, it's not the heat of battle. You could argue that the case in Kosovo was some sort of optical 
illusion or something or reflect refraction or, or even, you know, we pose the question whether it was a laser being shot against the clouds or, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot they were in a war zone. There was maybe a lot of weird stuff happening, right? Zipping things zipping around. Whereas this thing was like just a, you know, a described as a real clear object coming right at them, taking a right turn and then shooting straight up into space. You know, this on Saturday night, we have a story, probably one of my favorite story that's, that we have with, because I'll give you a hint you know, without giving it away. You know, the, really the rest of this season is, is, is all, we're just going to see more and more military witnesses and, and, and in some ways ratcheting up their, their credibility because um, in, on Saturday night, you're going to hear a story from a guy who is uh, sees a object in the Aurora Borealis and has just a very, really interesting story about what happens. But what's so interesting about this guy is that he is a high altitude survival expert for the Air Force. So he actually trains guys currently. Uh, not for the Air Force, but he trains people to survive at high alt in a high altitude flying. So here's a guy who is uh, currently a professor, but had a long career in the Air Force. Uh, in particular, basically, is an expert in everything at high altitudes. You know, six, 50, 60,000 feet and above altitude, right? So he's saying he's seeing something in the aurora borealis uh, in this in the upper atmosphere, and that you know he is just you know literally a hundred percent clear is not some sort of um weather anomaly or mm. condition and that that is just you, you'll see this guy is just so serious and he's just such you know he's just in as an advanced degree in exactly that and teaches uh pilot future pilots about how to survive at high altitude so he just he go you know he's constantly just flying at a high altitude you know, I don't want to. I don't want to say how many hours. We put hundreds, if not thousands, of hours in, in up in that area, right? So that's just fascinating when you get people like that who is like their exact area of expertise, seeing something in that milieu. It's just yeah, at that altitude, nonetheless, you know. Which again, like we know, human beings wouldn't really be able to survive. Right. Like you said, that's literally his job to figure out where that barrier is. But um. And- and when you hear what happened, what the craft does, you know, it's, uh, you'll see from his description, it's clearly not a, you know, a comet or, you know, some kind of debris. Anyway, it's fascinating. That's the kind of thing we have coming up. There's just a lot of just really fat in, in unique. That's what gets, I was so excited about from a storyteller point of view. And just visually, you know, as you can tell from this season, we did kind of up the ante doing you know, these, uh, recreations mm-hmm. of the, the events and with some visual effects and really working with the, the, the people directly to really, tr- you know, we were having them send us drawings. So we were really like, okay, what this, what it looked like and really trying to get exactly how, uh, what they experienced trying to visualize that. So that was, yeah, that, that's just fascinating. Um, I think the other highlight coming up for everyone is, uh, we switch gears and actually have a whole episode about civilian um, airline pilots, active pilots, um, as well as people from FAA, NORAD. And and those are stories that have never been told before as well. That's the show app. Uh, I'll be honest with the one that really sends the most chills up my spine because you have airline pilot talking about something, you know, coming way too close to 
you know, playing full of 200 people, right? It's right. just, there's a, something really relatable, obviously, <laughs> for all of us. And, you know, it's a little different than a, you know, an F-18 flying around something when you're, uh, you're in a plane. Um, With no weapons, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. And there's just a bunch of civilians, you know, there's this, and these pilots, you can really tell, again, this is where, you know, the, you, you know, how I just have so much respect for airline pilots. I mean, how many people every day do it, you know, their job all has 200 souls, you know, yeah. uh, lives in their hands, right. On a daily basis. And you see that sense of responsibility and that bearing when they tell this story that these guys are not, and these guys know the skies, you know, it's like, they know what, you know, weather condition is. They know, these guys are seeing objects, you know, whatever those objects are, I really, I will never, you know, I'm not going to guess, but they're seeing real objects in my opinion. And, uh, they're really freaked out by it. What's up guys, Ryan Sprague here, and I'm just dropping in to remind you about our Patreon campaign. Somewhere in the Skies is always free to consume, but it's not free to create. So if you want to help the show on a monthly basis, we have tons of rewards for you in return, including shoutouts on the show and website, bonus content and episodes, and free merch. Want to be my guest or pick a topic for the show? You can do that too. So if you'd like to learn more and to help support the show, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Thank you and keep looking up. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Well, episode two, Anthony, the triangle mystery. This one yeah. really stuck out to me. I had a uh, triangular UFO sighting as a child, which is kind of oh. what 
got me into all this stuff to begin with, but um, I really obviously related to this one, and it seemed like we really got to know Chris Mellon in this one, which was cool. So yeah, can we can we expect more episodes where we get to know Lou, Chris, Steve, all these yeah. guys a little better? Yeah, um, there's a really one of my other favorite episodes is we go down to South America with mm-hmm. Lou, and uh, it's kind of a road trip, and um, he meets with a lot of. Uh, active duty military people, including uh, literally uh, the head of the Air Force for a, a large country mm-hmm. in South America, who then they have a fascinating conversation. And you really get to see Lou uh, in action and, and kind of uh, you get to know him a little better. And then either you actually kind of reveal something about his own experience, which is interesting in that episode as well. I won't give too much away there. Yeah, that's what I'm glad you picked up on that. I was proud of the, this episode the triangle episode where you really got to see Mellon out in the field and you really got to, you got to see his theory on this. Yeah. He has it, you know, kind of like, and you know, David Marler, he's not obsessed to the point of David Marler, but, but he like Marler just believes that there's something going on with these triangle craft that, that can't be explained. There's just too many data points. And that was, you know, that's why we kind of leaned into that, the Hudson Valley story, those, you know, we went up there and we actually interviewed many more people that day um, than, you know, we could fit in. But there's just hundreds of people that were just seeing them over, you know, for over such long periods of time. And clearly, I'm sure some of them were conflating, uh, you know, a cargo plane or some other kind of plane flying over the area. But these other stories, when this, the craft are flying right over their house and hovering and, you know, when you have cops telling you that it's it's hard to disregard that there wasn't some very very large craft flying over uh and actually what's interesting is there's a connect uh, a story from that we actually originally had in that episode but we moved into the episode on saturday night um the nuke episode where, where a guy describes a craft very similar to to one of the triangles but we we moved it you'll see why mm. into this episode um and we actually have two witnesses on that and it's it's pretty mind-blowing what and and what how it changed his life but yeah that that hudson valley story is just uh you know i i was just actually up there for a little while and uh, i became friends with a farmer down the road from his house that i was staying in and and i said yeah you know i just you know we did learned about these these sightings back in you know in the 80s around here and he said oh yeah my my mom saw a craft that flew right over the house and just (laughs) stayed there and uh and then his wife came out and she said yeah when i was a kid we saw some we saw this craft fly over and we became so obsessed we used to camp out in our yard trying to see it again and it's just like all of a sudden it was just like it's just a common thing for these that live up there to see these things and you're just like what the heck Uh, it's it's fascinating yeah it's it was such a large wave too that of course someone knows somebody who saw something which is fascinating i mean it's you don't get that that often yeah and the and that when the when the whole um parkway the tectonic shut down and people got out of their cars and the thing was just hovering right over i mean again there's definitely as you as we see there are explanations, right? That that you can you can argue. I think one of the I think the a really strong point that Bill Scott makes in that episode. You know, Jim Simivan makes a really strong point at the end, right? That there's no way they would fly a secret craft over and spook people like they did, right? Mm-hmm. But I do think I do think there is a strong argument 
in particular related to these triangles that maybe that is the point is that they're tracking the reaction to see, see what kind of stealth it had, right? They, you know, they're basically using these people as guinea pigs in the, in the same way, you know, they, they, they are interested to see who is, who looks up, can it be heard? I don't know. There's, there's, there's some decent countervailing evidence, I think, related to the triangle phenomenon that I thought was really important to get in there. But it does, it just, it does spiral when you really dig into uh, an archive like Marler that there's just so many, um, there's so, there's the, the consistency to these stories uh, is fascinating. Yeah, the, the triangles, I think, are, always beg the most questions. Like you said, they come up with the theory of, of mapping. Are they mapping our terrain? That's why they're so slow and they're triangular. Um, so that was fascinating. That was something I never really thought about. Yeah, why, why do these particular UFOs move so slowly? And, um, obviously stealth is one reason, but another is, you know, are they surveying the area? Are they gauging public reaction or acknowledgement? Um, I think you're right. I think there's, the biggest mystery lays somewhere in those triangles, man. I, I, I'm glad you guys tackled it. Cool. I'm glad we did it justice. Thank yeah. You. Um, well, moving to just a couple listener questions here, Anthony, before sure. uh, we wrap up, if that's cool. Shane on Facebook asks, uh, you kind of answered this, I think, at the beginning, but do you guys have government liaisons that sort of guide you, you know, when it comes to security stuff? Or is, again, are these just people that are coming forward on their own? No, we don't, we have no relationship to the government at all. You know, Nothing. we're, we're independent journalists. We're, you know, we're independent fundamentally from TTSA. We have, the, right. this is a show produced by A&E. It's not, I think, I think to set, you know, for a lot of people, there's confusion. Um, you know, obviously Tom DeLong is involved in, in shaping the vision of the show. And it was really kind of his impetus that, that got it on the air. But this is a show produced by A&E. So kind of, you know, we're following these guys on their journey. Obviously, there's things, you know, it's, it's a totally unscripted show. We're not, nothing is staged, but obviously there's things that are happening because of the show. You know, I don't think Lou would have gone to South America for, you know, primarily just, you know, because I don't know if TTSA has the money to send him to South America. You know, obviously <laughs> we're sending him on t- to investigate stuff, um, in, in the service of the show, but, we are also following these guys along the way and in, in their own journey. And they are, you know, actively building these patterns and they are actively in, investigating this stuff. And you're seeing that in real time. So, um, yeah, to answer the question, we don't know. We don't have the, you know, we do, we do, you know, allow these guys to make sure that they're, you know, there's not, there's nothing, we're not compromising any security clearances or things like that. Um, but that's, that's about it. Yeah. I, I think that's, you know, it's a good distinction to make. Cause I think there are those people out there who, who do worry, like, you know, is the show being shaped by the history channel or, um, for a particular narrative, this, that, this, that, but I think you're right. We do see, um, you guys at A and E you're following this company as they grow and as and they I, influence I do think the narrative, we are following their lead on their narrative. You know right. what I mean? Right. If I was doing this show independently, I don't, I don't know what it would be, but it might not be their narrative. We, the narrative, the, the, the fundamental theme, right. Uh, that, that Elizondo and Mellon believe is, 
are centered around a national security threat. These guys are that's what they do did for a living and they still consider themselves in the even though they don't work for the government, what they're doing is sort of continuing that work in the private sphere. So those themes of national security and the potential threat, right? Not the threat, the potential threat that these might pose and what in trying to identify them, that is their mission and that's what we're trying to follow. That's the simplest way to to look at how this show came to be and, and, and the framing around the narrative. For some people, some people have problems with that, right? Some people are like, well, they're fear mongering and the, the you know, UFOs are, how do we know they're, they're not here to help us? Mm-hmm. Well, we don't, uh, but that's, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not trying to, I, I definitely try not to make it a fear mongering show, you know, but I do, but I also am trying to be honest to like, that is their frame for them, their national security guys, anything that's unknown that is showing an interest in, in our military is, you know, by sort of logic, right? Ipso facto yeah. a threat. Absolutely. We don't know what it is. And then I think, you know, the human condition itself is we are a defensive uh, species. So, I mean, yeah, everything, if we don't know what it is, it is a potential threat. I think that's a, a good point, Anthony. I mean, so many people, it's so divisive in the quote unquote UFO community. You've got the people who believe it's all love and light and space brothers. And then those who think they're going to come and invade. And it's, I think the answer is somewhere in between because we don't know what it is and it, it will always be a potential threat. So no, I, it makes perfect sense for a, a show where you have the former head of, you know, counter terrorism and whatnot, or someone who worked within that sector. Um, as the main person. So, yeah. yeah I mean, again, we're, we're, that's what these guys, that's the frame that they have. So that's yeah. the frame that we're following. So, and I think you can argue whether you, you just, you can argue whether you agree with it or not. I, it's not really for me to judge. It's, you know what I mean? It's like, that's, that's the story. All right. Well, this one kind of ties into that too, Anthony. Raquel on Twitter asks, Throughout the show, Chris Mellon, Elizondo, and even Steve Justice, in Raquel's opinion, she uh, stressed, uh, they give a sense that they all know more than they can <laughs> share on the show. I'm sure you've heard this before. Is this something you're willing to address at all, or is Raquel just hoping this is the case? It's absolutely. I think they'd be the first to admit it. I mean, they, they openly admit it. They, we actually even, and I'm sure there's places in this season where we, we kind of get meta and reference that as well. I think in the first season we did, there are moments where Lou saying, look, I, I remember, yeah, one time he's on the top of that mountain in Catalina and he's like, look, I know a lot more about what's going on here, but I, I can't tell you. And the assumption to me is that there's a lot of sensitive military sites in that area. Right. Mm. But absolutely. They, these guys all know. I mean, Steve Justice is a walking repository of both the technologies that he worked on, but also the, the methods, right, the me- of how things are tested. The secrets are not just technology. Secrets are sources and methods, too. So all these guys, especially as you can see, Justice is very, you know, careful to not talk too much about how things work. Um, so it, they are absolute and, you know, in blue, um, if you take him on face value, that is primarily like his motivation in what he's doing on our show is because he can't tell you everything he knows. He's trying to find other people who could sort of almost be his proxies to tell their stories because he can't. 
Um, yeah. And that's absolutely true. And as I said, they're the first to admit it. What they know, I mean, I think it's a valid question. I, I wouldn't, I don't disregard anyone. And, and that's what I found was very cool about both Chris and Lou, as you'll see in this season. And we, we broached this topic in season one and we kind of dig deeper into it in season two is it's a completely valid question for anyone to ask whether these guys are still working for the government and are involved in some sort of disinformation campaign. That is a completely valid question for anyone to ask, because if you know anything about the intelligence world, you know, that is, it would be a pretty banana, that would be a pretty banana story, in my opinion, but you can never rule that out in the world of intelligence. You know, deception is at its heart. So it'd be naive to think that, they weren't and and what that what the mid disinformation is could be many different things they could right they could be are they covering up the reality of ufos mm-hmm. are they or is it some sort of limited hangout where it's like a are they part of the slow disclosure or or are they the what you know some people say just merely running interference on advanced uh weapons programs and um and uh, that's that's their true mission, which which, again, going back to the Navy's statement that these are not ours, raises it, a re- the stakes of that claim really high. The Navy is 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 publicly coming out to the public and saying that um, it's a pretty big deal. Right. And uh, and if you have these guys running continually running this, you know, an alleged fiction that that, you know, UFOs are real and uh that's not our technology it that to me is like <laughs> that would be one of the it would be a really you know one of the bigger stories right yeah. it's still a valid question so i don't i never disperse anyone to ask that question and and we and you'll see in this episode season we we broach it uh head on as well oh okay interesting that's great yeah see there you go i mean you guys you're covering all the bases and you know like you're not so many of these shows, they think their audiences are idiots, you know, when it comes to this stuff. And I think something like what you guys are doing is you're, you're stating the facts and you're, um, you know, your audience is a lot smarter than I think people usually give them credit for when it comes to the entertainment industry. So, um, I really respect that. I mean, you're, you're, you're not just taking it at face value and you're asking the tough questions. So I think that's, that's what really sets it apart. And, um, you did mention the Navy. Um, and this one kind of just popped into my head here. Um, so I might as well just ask it, man. Army, we know to the stars is working with in a capacity when it comes to possible materials. Navy obviously has been the most vocal about it. Why are we not hearing anything from the damn Air Force? Like the people who we think would be the most vocal about all this. You know, Do you have a personal opinion on that? I am not going to comment because that's a question we literally ask in, in an upcoming episode. Oh, boom. That is the perfect <laughs> answer. I, I should have known. Um, all right. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, you'll see. That's definitely a question we ask. Ah, cool. Yep. There we go. Didn't even have to ask it. Um, all right. So our last listener question here, Anthony. Steven on Twitter asks, we know that To the Stars Academy is working with the Army. Um, will the show touch on any of this when it comes to these possible crashed vehicles that we heard about in the New York times. Uh, you know, yeah. What, what's up with that? 
you know, I, yeah, I, I'll, I'll speak to that. Yeah. And we actually don't go into the, the materials, um, as you know, we considered looking at those, there's just not enough information, um, yeah. on, on those, the materials that they have. And just that whole, it's honestly, it's almost like its own show. So we really yeah. do special on that because it is, it's just, it's also, I'll just be honest. It's just so expensive <laughs> to, to actually do the kind of tests that need to be done on those things. Mm -hmm. Um, we just felt like we couldn't really push the story forward because the next level of tests that need to be done are so expensive that, uh, we just didn't have the, uh, resources to, to really dig into that science. That level of science is somewhat beyond our purview. So, but I think it's absolutely fascinating and I can't wait to hear what TTSA finds with the materials they have and, and these other rumored materials around. And, you know, that whole part of the story obviously is so huge because if, if any of that, you know, proves bears fruit, it's going to, you know, be a major revelation. We just, we just couldn't figure out a way to push the story forward within our resources. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is the big struggle I think in the science scientific world alone is, um, trying to get the funding to do something like that. So it makes sense that, yeah, why not team up with the army who would have, uh, the resources to do those tests, but they're going to take time. And again, I think we have to stress, like, if you got, if anyone wants answers to the UFO question, like, get ready to wait because we've been <laughs> waiting for centuries now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that's all I have for you here, Anthony. Um, where and when can we find Unidentified Season 2? So it's on Saturday nights, 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 Central on the History Channel. And, uh, and then I think it replays later, but, you know, set your DVRs if you can't watch it. But yeah, please, everyone, please tune in. You know, the more people that tune in now, the more possibility of you getting a third season. So yeah, and we better, man, because I mean, again, I think you guys have made waves unlike anything the UFO community or uh, researchers have been able to do in the past 70 years. So, um, you know, from from one UFO person to the next, I, I have to thank you for everything you guys are doing. I can't wait to see what you come up with next. It was really a pleasure talking with you, Ryan. Great show. Keep up the great work. And thanks for all the support. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Hey guys, Ryan here, and I'm just dropping in to tell you all about a podcast I recently discovered that has me binging their entire back catalog. It's that fun, that good, and right up my alley, as I know it most likely will be for you as well. Guide to the Unknown is a podcast about horror. Every week, sibling hosts, Kristen Anderson and Will Rogers, discuss spooky pop culture, urban legends, and the paranormal, while keeping it cozy and fun. 
Some of my favorite episodes include a tour of the unique Disney haunted mansions around the world, the account of a seance they attended in a paranormal bookstore, and the real-life story behind one of my all-time favorite movies, The Conjuring. They've covered Stonehenge, Crop Circles, Men in Black, Bigfoot, and even Techno Ghosts. Yes, you heard that right. And you'll hear a new episode every Friday on all major podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I also have to mention that one of their most recent episodes covered the Allagash alien abduction incident. And they bring us up to speed with this highly controversial case. So grab your Afghan temple ball and give that episode a listen. Don't know what Afghan temple ball is? You will after listening. So head on over to www.gttupod.com for all social media links and to enjoy Guide to the Unknown podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.